Hallelujah. Come on. It feels good in the house of the Lord. Let's give God a great praise. Hallelujah. Let's give him a more than enough praise. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give him. He's been better than good. Let's give him a great and glorious praise. Hallelujah. Let's give him a my God's come through time and time again praise. Hallelujah. Let's give him a the devil said it wouldn't happen, but God did it praise. Hallelujah. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen, it feels good in the house of the Lord. Good to be in God's presence with God's people. Is anybody thankful to be at Apostolic Revival Center tonight? I try to ask that question just about every service, amen, because I want to remind us that it is a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. We're a blessed people to be in church. Amen. At this time, I'd like to dismiss our, we have some uh, Sunday school kids. They're going to go learn some songs and different things. They're going to go back to the very back over here. And everybody say, God bless our kids. Amen. Praise God. I can't remember who wrote it, but there's an old, parable, if you will. Anybody ever read the, the story about stone soup? Remember that? Okay, there's somebody had nothing, so they said, I'm going to make stone soup. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be the greatest soup that's ever been. And, uh, you know, everybody was hoarding on to what they had. You know, somebody had carrots, somebody had potatoes, and somebody had some meat. And, and he said, oh, no, it's going to be great just as it is. And one by one, they said, well, you know, I wonder how it's going to taste. He said, you know, it would be a lot better if I had some carrots. And uh, the person that had the carrots said, well, you know, I, I've got a few carrots to spare. And next one said, well, you know, that soup would be pretty good. He said, no, this soup's going to be awesome, but it would be a lot better with potatoes and so on and so forth. It would be a lot better with some meat. And little by little, everybody contributed. And uh, the moral of the story is the soup's only as good as what you put in it. Amen. Did you know church is the same way? Church is, it, it would be a lot better if you contributed your praise. You want to know why we felt so good here today? Because people came and they said, God, I've got a little bit of worship. I've got a little bit of praise. I've got a shout in my spirit. Amen. I want to tell you, if we keep doing that every single service as we have been, there is no telling how great Amen Apostolic Revival Center is going to be. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn over to the book of Psalms chapter 19. Psalms chapter 19 and beginning in verse number 7. I say all that to simply say this. I appreciate amen, all of the work and all the effort that goes into making church a possibility. But not just making church a possibility and reality, but making church great. And uh, it takes each and every individual coming and bringing what they've got, what God has put in their spirit, bringing their prayers and all of that, and it makes church awesome. And everybody said amen. amen. Psalms chapter 19 and beginning in verse number 7. The Bible says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, 
rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Amen, amen. The Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And I want to talk to us for a few moments on that subject, converting the soul. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray. Amen. All across this building. Come on, let's lift up our voices. It feels so good in the house of the Lord. God has already been moving. Hallelujah. What do you say we get everything we can? Amen. Out of this service. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. We thank you today, God. Amen. I pray, Lord, your word's already anointed, but God, I pray that you would anoint our ears. Give us ears to hear and a heart to respond to the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Fist bump the person next to you. Tell them it's good to see you in church, and you may be seated. Amen. Amen. Thank you for the prayers. My wife is at home. She is watching online. She just texted me. She said, make sure you greet everybody for me. And so keep her in your prayers. She's already feeling better, but we want to make sure that we keep everybody else healthy in Jesus' name. So tonight I want to talk to us about converting the soul. David starts Psalms chapter 19. He does this quite often. David has a love for the Word of God. He has a love for the things of God. It is no doubt, no wonder why the Bible declares that David was a man after God's own heart. Not only do I believe that he was patterned, patterned after God's heart, amen, as, as a man that God would want to sit on the throne of, sitting on the throne of David, but I believe that he was in pursuit of God, that everything David was and everything David represented was to pursue God with everything that was within him. David being uh, not only king, not only psalmist, David was a shepherd, and he spent a long time outside in the field. And as David does in many of his psalms, he looks into the natural, and he begins to see beyond what everybody else sees. Amen. He looks up, and he sees the stars in the sky, and he sees the mountains and the trees and nature and all of the animals. And he writes and he pens many poetic songs and uh, praises to God about how good God is. Amen. In fact, he opens up Psalms 19, and he simply says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day it is uttering speech, and night unto night it is showing knowledge. He then gets this revelation there is no speech nor language where this voice that is declaring the glory of God is not heard. Amen. David is actually stepping in and he's giving us a fundamental truth that the first avenue of revelation is nature itself. David is looking and he sees, as Paul would write in Romans chapter 1, that nature itself teaches us. David would put it this way, nature itself declares to us revelation. 
When we look out upon the mountains and the stars and animals and, and all that we see around us, amen, we gain revelation about life. We gain revelation about God. We gain revelation about ourselves. We gain revelation about how finite we are when we look at the ever-expanding infinite universe. Amen. It reminds us how small we are in comparison to everything out there. And ultimately, it reminds us and it preaches a message to us. It declares to us that unequivocally and undeniably there is a God. Amen. Some people have asked the question, well, what about people in the middle of nowhere that have never read a Bible? I want to tell you the word of God has an answer. Doth not nature itself teach you? Amen. You know, there's there's many people that have said, well, I'll worship the sun or I'll worship the moon. But I want to tell you, all you got to do is look out at the universe and realize there's something much greater, amen, that created everything that you and I see and hear. Nature is a teacher. Nature is the first avenue of re revelation. And David is saying that, that the heavens are declaring the glory of God. Amen. And there is no language, there is no speech where that voice is not heard. Uh, you could be in the middle of nowhere and realize by revelation of nature itself that there is in fact a God. You can be here in Carson City and look up at those beautiful mountains and you can be reminded that there is a God. You may not see him, you may not feel him, but I want to tell you that God is real. Amen. You can see the mountains from a distance and say they're small, but the closer you get to them, the bigger that they appear and the smaller you are. And it's a revelation that the closer you get to God, the bigger he appears to you and I. Amen. You can look out at the stars and they're innumerable. You can't count them all. And you realize that's how infinite our God must be. When you look at the earth revolving around the sun, it lets us know that there's something that's got to be more uh, that we revolve our lives around that there's got to be more than just paying bills uh, there's got to be more to life uh, than just going through life uh, and barely existing uh, but there's got to be something at the center Hallelujah. nature itself is teaching us and it's giving us revelation amen nature itself teaches us more than just revelation of god Man, we all on our phones got a weather app. I hope you do. You can get on that weather app, and it will give you a revelation. It's going to be cold tomorrow. Dress accordingly. Hallelujah. It'll tell you it's going to be unreasonably hot tomorrow. Dress accordingly. Hallelujah. We went off to Washington for Thanksgiving. And uh, I got to central Washington. It looks a lot like the Washoe Valley, except for the water's filled up. Amen. But it was 30 degrees colder, and it was dreary. And I thought, man, I'm missing Nevada already. And, uh, but it was freezing cold. And, and, and I had not looked at the weather app to find out how cold it was be, would be. And I'm thankful I packed a coat, but I should have packed a bigger one. But uh, it, it's something about that when you, when you look out and the seasons begin to change, you know that there's something that's got to change with you. You can't wear a parka in the summer. 
Hallelujah. Some people would like to wear a parka in the summer. No, go to the park in the summer. There's a big difference there. And, and there's people that uh, I went to high school with a kid that we stood out waiting for the bus. I really do have those stories. I can't wait till I have kids because I'm going to tell them, back in my day, we walked uphill both ways in the snow because I've been there, done that. Uh, but I had to walk them. I was out of district, so I had to walk a mile into district so I could catch the bus at negative 20. And I had a friend, there's always that kid in high school that just loves shorts. I don't know what it is, but he was wearing shorts and a T-shirt. It was negative 20. And I thought, this guy is out of his mind. Uh, nature itself is not teaching this guy anything. But uh, but for the rest of us, nature is teaching us something. It's telling us there's a change in the weather, so there needs to be a change in you and I. I'm preaching real good yet. You just haven't figured it out. Hallelujah. When nature comes by and there's a shifting of the seasons, there must be a shifting of the individual. And nature is preaching a message that you cannot stay the same in the next season as you are in this season. There has got to be a change, amen, in how we are, amen, and what we are between seasons of life. How you were at 15 is not how you ought to be at 75. There's got to be some changes to be made or you'll end up with a couple broken legs trying to skateboard as a senior. You're going to have to make some changes. Nature itself is declaring some things to us that there's got to be a conversion. There's got to be a transformation. There's got to be a change or what you are, amen, in the next season, amen, what you are in this season will not last in the next season. Amen, church, can I tell you, amen, there's seasons in a church that what we were in the previous season is wonderful, but when the seasons begin to change, we cannot keep what we were and expect to be okay where we are going. God is bringing a conversion, and God is bringing a transformation, but God's doing it to make us stronger. God's doing it to make us better. Amen, God's doing it to bring about an improvement. Somebody clap your hands. And give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. If you knew it was going to snow tomorrow, you'd wear a coat. Nature itself is teaching. First avenue of revelation. And then David transitions. He starts talking to us about the word of God, which is another avenue of revelation. But the way he starts it out, he says the word of the Lord or the law of the Lord is perfect. You see, we can learn a lot of things from nature, but we can only learn so much. We've got to infer things. We've got to take them, and we've got to process them and try to understand it as best we can. But the Word of God is perfect in its approach. It knows exactly what it's doing. Even nature itself can teach you that it's going to snow tomorrow. And if you don't want to be cold, you're going to have to put on a coat. But the Word of God's perfect. And when it tells you that things are changing, amen, that there's a shifting in the season, it doesn't just tell you to put on a coat. It starts changing the very fiber of your being. It doesn't just prepare you externally, but the Word of God prepares you internally. The Word of God does not just prepare you on the temporary, but the Word of God prepares you on the eternal. 
The Word of God is perfect. Can I preach to somebody? The Word of God is perfect. The Bible says it's pure. You're not going to find anything more pure than the Word of God. No bar of gold or silver is going to be as pure as the Word of God coming forth. There's nothing going to, there's no oil, there's no alcohol. Nothing can be more pure than the perfect Word of God, the perfect law of liberty where we can walk in it. We can be transformed in it. We can be changed from what we are into what he wants us to be. We can go from being a sinner to being a saint of God through the word. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. Is anybody thankful for the perfect word of God? It never misses one thing. It never stops. It never quits. It's always effective. Somebody ought to shout and give God praise. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, let's give him praise for a moment. Come on, let's thank him for the word of God that never stops working on me, uh, that never stops improving me, uh, that never stops getting me ready for season after season after season. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The word of God is perfect. It has a message just like nature. Primarily, it is showing us the glory of God. That is its primary objective. It is the point fallen humanity back to a perfect God. Amen. Some people want to change the word of God. We are not to change the word of God. The word of God is meant to change us. If I gave you a treasure map that said X marks the spot and you're going to be richer than Elon Musk, amen, or Mark Zuckerberg, amen, or Bill Gates or any of these Warren Buffett, and I said you can get to this, you just got to follow this pattern, amen, you're going to be the richest man or richest woman in the world. There's not one among us that would start editing the map and changing the way that it is. I want to tell you because the law of the Lord is perfect, amen, and the Bible is not just looking to get you rich. The Bible's looking to get you saved. Amen. There's there's something that's more, amen, powerful, amen, than corruptible things like silver and gold. But there's incorruptible things like salvation. There's incorruptible things like being washed in the blood of Jesus. There's incorruptible things. Amen. Nobody can steal it from you when you get it from God. Amen. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. When you get the Holy Ghost, amen, there's nothing more valuable than the Spirit of Christ dwelling in our mortal bodies. Somebody ought to give them a shout of praise. Hallelujah. We would never change that. We would keep it as it is. It's perfect. Amen. But secondarily, it's not just pointing us towards, amen, our heavenly reward. It is trying to convert us. This is why people want to change the Word of God. Because if I can change, edit, clip, cut out, I don't need to change anything about myself. So I'll just clip this out and clip that out, and before it's all said and done, X is no longer marking the spot. Amen. And there's a hole 
there's a denominal world out there that wants to use biblical verses, uh, amen, and cut it in pieces and make it quotable, amen. There, there's entire versions of the Bible, amen, that they put out that have removed scriptures because they might be seen as offensive, uh, but what they've done is they've completely, amen, converted the perfect law of liberty, uh, amen, into a law of bondage, uh, but we have never been called to convert the word. Uh, the word was called to convert you and I. Amen. Somebody ought to give God praise. We need the Word of God, church. We need the Word of God. I don't care how much information is accumulating and what you can find on Google. Amen. But I want to tell you, we've got to hold on and hold fast to the Word of God. Hallelujah. Twitter's nice, but it won't save you. Uh, amen, your favorite star. Amen, they might say something cute, but it won't save you. You need the perfect law of liberty. You need the perfect word of God. Uh, this is why we come to church uh, and we bring our Bibles. Uh, this is why we read our Bible year in uh, and year out. Uh, this is why we got kids memorizing the Bible, because we know that it's the word of God that's able to convert us. Uh, it's the word of God that's able to save us. It's the word of God that's able to change this world. Somebody lift up your hands and magnify the Lord if you're thankful for the perfect law of liberty. Come on, somebody worship him. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't ever want to lose my joy or excitement about the word of God. Amen. We are not a club or a clique. Amen. If there's anything, we are people of the word. Put it in whatever terms you want. We're a book club. You can have all your books that you want. You can join a club. But we're a book club. We're the Bible club. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know if I want to be part of a Bible club. You're in the wrong church. Go, go somewhere. You can get a feel good. They, they hype you up once a week. Hey, man, I want to tell you, you, you can go there all you want, but it won't, it won't necessarily save you. I'll tell you what will save you. It's the engrafted word of God church will get a whole lot more exciting when you learn the Word of God. What I preach will make a whole lot more sense when you learn the Word of God. Amen. I, I might even be seen as a better preacher when you learn the Word of God because when you get that Word in your mind, it'll transfer down to your heart uh, and you'll be thinking, man, I thank God uh, for the Word. I thank God uh, for the Word. Personalities come and go, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. Hallelujah. You can sing a song this week you like and not like it next week because the genres change. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. Are there any Bible nerds out there that love the word of God? Are there any people that are thankful for an old black book covered in goat skin or lamb skin? that you can read and you can find something that will transform you. Are there any people like David that can say it's much more desired than gold? It's much more precious than fine gold. I love the word more than my job. I love the word more than my car. I love the word more than my house. I love the Come on. Is there anybody that came to church tonight, not because you like the music, but because you love the word of God? Thank God for praise. But 
praise will only take you so far. But when you got the word of God, you'll stand there and have a praise on your lips that nobody else has because you got a revelation. You can shout like nobody else because I know the word. I know the word and it's changing me. I know the word and it's converting me. I know the word and it's making me new. Somebody ought to shout. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm excited about the word. I'm excited about the Bible. I'm excited about the law of the Lord. Somebody shout. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on. Let's magnify the Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. You know, you can be saved, you can be saved without music. Yeah, you can. There's a lot of deaf people going to heaven. But you cannot be saved without the word. Oh, hallelujah. You can be saved without a program, but you cannot be saved without the word. You and I have got to have this word deep down in our, in our heart. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to tell you, I don't want to change the word of God. It's perfect. Amen. But I want to tell you, not only in its essence is it perfect, but in its objective, it's perfect. The Bible says its objective is to convert the soul. There's two ways it converts the soul. Number one, it converts us to salvation. Yes, it does. The Word of God converts us to salvation. The engrafted Word of God or engraved Word of God, which is able to save your soul. Amen. The Word of God is there, and it is doing everything it can to take you from here on earth all the way to an eternity with God. Amen. There is a conversion process that without the Word of God, you cannot be made perfect, and you cannot be converted. Amen. You've got to allow God to take you from your sinful nature and make you in the image of Christ. Amen. There's got to be a conversion, amen, from being a Sinner to being a saint of God. It's a transformation that happens uh, when someone repents of their sins. Uh, they are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost uh, according to the word of God. Not corruptible things as silver and gold, but by the precious word, uh, we are converted and we are made new uh, and we are creatures in Christ uh, through the word. That's what the conversion is primarily. You and I must be converted in our soul to be saved. But there is another conversion the Word does that is part of the salvific conversion that, yes, it's possible for somebody to have, if you would call it, a deathbed confession. In other words, they're at the very end of their life. They obey the Scriptures they repent of their sins, they're baptized in Jesus' name, and they're filled with the Holy Ghost, and they're going to receive the same reward as you and I. Amen. They're going to heaven. Praise God. Their soul has been converted from lost to saved. But they missed out on the primary objective of the Word of God that is not just happening in one moment. It is the converting of the soul over time, not just the saving of the soul, 
but I'm talking about the transformation of the soul, not just the, the, the kind that gets you in the kingdom or gets you in the door, but I'm talking about a transformation of the soul where God starts molding and shaping you and I, that it starts changing the way that you and I think, amen, changing the way we perceive life, changing the way we perceive others. It changes our will to be conformed to the will of God. It conforms our very emotions to not be guarded and guided by the flesh. But now we have had our soul converted to the point where we are now, amen, letting our emotions be run through the word of God. And that word is converted how I think. That word has converted what I decide. That word has converted how I feel. Somebody ought to clap your hands and shout. Come on, somebody ought to give God praise. Come on, what are you doing on a Wednesday night? I'm converting my soul with the word of God. What are you doing here at church? I'm letting God convert my soul through the word of God. I'm letting God transform me. Amen. Jesus put it this way. Start with the inside of the cup. I've already defined out that God converts our soul when he saves us. But I'm talking about where your mind, the soul, which is the seat of the mind, the will, and the emotions. Amen. There's people that they are content, amen, just being saved. And that's awesome that you want to be saved. But there is a higher level in God where he starts converting your mind. And he starts converting your will. And he starts converting your emotions. Amen. Jesus said, clean the inside of the cup. He was not saying, don't worry about the outside. What he was saying is, if you clean the inside, the outside's a guarantee. You're, gonna, you're not just going to clean the inside. You're going to start on the inside and you're going to finish on the outside. Amen. But I met some people that have cleaned it up on the outside and gone to church for 20 years, but the inside's still unconverted and still full of dead men's bones. And it's nothing more than a gravestone that's been painted over. It's full of dead men's bones, as Jesus would say. Amen. Twice dead, plucked up by the roots, as the book of Jude would say. But God has given us an opportunity to let the word not just be around us, but the word to be inside of us. Not just converting us where everybody else thinks we're converted, but it converts us where only us and God know. He converted that. He transformed that. My wife would never know. My neighbor would never know. The preacher would never know. But God's been converting my soul. Somebody ought to clap your hands and shout. Jesus was not neglecting the outside. He was prioritizing the soul. If you take care of the soul, it is the primary, amen, it is the primary thing he came to save. He came to seek and save that which was lost. We spend a large majority of our time bringing our flesh under subjection. I think that's all right. I think that's good. We ought to pray. We ought to fast so that our, we can bring our flesh under subjection. As Paul said, 
He said, I bring my body under subjection. Amen. He, he said, he, he literally put it this way. I, I buffet my flesh or, amen, not, not buffet. He buffets. Amen. He beats it up. He, he doesn't give it a buffet. Amen. He takes it and puts it under subjection. Some of us got that buffet ministry, not the buffet ministry. Amen. We, we need to change it up a little bit. But he says, I'm going to take my flesh and I'm going to put it under subjection. And, and this is good. However, we must not stop at putting our flesh under subjection and, and saying, well, I didn't lie today. I didn't steal today. I, I didn't cheat today. I, I didn't beat somebody up today. Well, praise God. That's wonderful. Amen. But it's got to go beyond uh, just withholding our flesh. But we've got to let God convert us so deep uh, on the inside. Uh, the Word of God starts converting our soul. Uh, and now uh, we don't think like we used to think. Uh, amen. The, the things that I used to have to bring my flesh under subjection about. I don't even consider that anymore because God fixed the root of the problem. He laid the ax to the root and he took care of the soul. Somebody ought to give God praise. Can I help us understand something? Most of the problems with our flesh do not start in our flesh. They start They start way back down in the soul. Somebody somewhere hurt you, and it afflicted you beyond your flesh. And it went beyond skin deep, and it hit you down in the soul. And this is why there are now fruits out there, amen, fruits of addiction and, and fruits of, of bitterness and fruits of anger. And people are going by cutting them back and cutting the tree back. But God's saying if you'll let me convert the soul I'll go back to where it started and I'll cut the root down I'll go back and find the root of bitterness in your soul and I'll cut it back so you can have a life filled with joy. I'll go back to where you were hurt and I'll cut it all the way back at the root so you can have peace and you can sleep at night. I won't just deal with anxiety. I'll deal with the fact you got trust issues because somebody dropped you a long time ago and God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you and I'm already there there in your tomorrow, uh, taking care of it. Uh, so just pray about it. Uh, don't stress about it. Uh, let God convert your soul. Somebody ought to clap your hands and shout. To be converted is to be transformed permanently. It's to go beyond recognition it is Jesus turning water into wine you ever thought about that the first miracle Jesus ever performed was he converted water into wine this wasn't any water folks the Bible says this was for the purifying of the Jews this was foot washing water this was hand washing water they didn't have Purell back then Y'all that are scared of germs that you can't see, hallelujah, please wash your hands. God bless you. But he said, you're going to take the filthiest water, and you're going to have somebody drink it. And there's some folks, amen, this is how they live their Christian existence. But that's just how I was raised. I just came to pastor a little bit. It's just who I am. And when they pour out, it's as nasty as you'd expect. And nobody wants to drink the water. 
because they haven't let God convert their soul. And so they do pour out foot washing water. This is what they do in their marriages. This is what they do with their kids. This is what they do to their boss. They, they pour out this water. Well, you're going to have to put up with me. You're just going to have to deal with me. You married me. Well, I ain't getting no amens around here. Hallelujah. I'm up here all by myself. I was doing real good about 15 minutes ago. But, man, I don't know about right now. I might be sinking. But y'all know I'm telling the truth. If you don't know the person, you might be the person that's always pouring out filthy water on everybody else and saying it's their problem. Oh, come on, somebody. Don't let me sink, please. Jesus, help me. But when you let God convert the soul, it doesn't matter how filthy the water started. First thing you got to do, he said, I know the water's filthy, but fill it up with pure water. You need to let God baptize your soul with pure water. I tell you what that pure water is. The washing of the water by the word of God. You need to let God baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. It'll clear all the junk out. It'll clear all the bitterness out. You won't bleed on people that never cut you no more. You'll be pure. Somebody ought to shout and give God praise. You need to be baptized, amen, with pure water. You need to be washed with pure water. You need to let the perfect law, the pure law, wash you. Oh, somebody ought to stand and clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. Come on. You need to get filled up. I know they filled your life up with trash. They filled your soul up with bitterness and with junk. But you need to let God fill you up with some pure stuff. You need to let God fill you up with some good stuff. He said, first things first. Y'all can remain standing. He said, first things first. Fill it up. You know, even with your guest thing, if you don't clean it out every so often, you're going to get sludge. Amen. You got to get an oil change. You, you, you ain't going to have an engine very long. Sometimes you need to let God give you an oil change. Amen. Father Jiffy Lube, just come through and help you out. Bless you. You need to let God come through and help you because if not, your life's just full of sludge. And I'm not talking to sinners, amen, and visitors. I'm talking to saints of God. You need to let God wash you with the word again. Somebody does something that you know, amen, made you bitter. You need to let God flush that out of you or you're going to become bitter like they made. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus said when you fill it up with pure water, he said the moment you pour it out, he said, I'm going to make a transformation. I'm going to convert the water into wine. I want to help somebody understand this. This conversion was perfect. His word is perfect in its ability to convert. Amen. Its, its desire to convert the soul is perfect. Jesus turned the water into wine. Amen. It was not food coloring. Come on, you can go up here and give them some hope. Play Mary had a little lamb or something. They'll be happy. I start talking about marriage and being nice to one another. Man, just go back to faith. Hallelujah. 
It wasn't food coloring. Come on, some people think I just get a little food coloring and then I'm all right. Everybody will think I'm a Christian. No, food coloring is all good when you look at it, but when you start to taste it. You know, there's people that you're like, man, that's that must be a wonderful Christian until you have about 15-minute conversation with them. And you're like, well, I got to get out of this conversation. God bless you. Man, they live for God a long time. Then you realize they live for God one year 50 times. <laughs> food coloring. Hey, it was not even Kool-Aid. I love Kool-Aid, but man, he didn't pull out some packet and be like, I got you. Artificial. Come on. It was a transformation and a conversion on a molecular level. He took, he didn't just take one liquid and make that liquid a little better tasting. He didn't take that and make it a little better looking. Amen. When he took that liquid, he changed it uh, on his very molecular level, a level you and I don't have eyes to see. He said, I'm going to change the very structure of this liquid. Can I help somebody here tonight? Don't settle for food coloring. Huh? Don't settle for a Kool-Aid Christianity. Huh? you got to get converted. Huh? Amen. you, you got to let God get in there with his word and fully convert and start challenging the way you think. Huh? Start challenging the decisions you make. Huh? Start challenging the emotions you let run your life. you got to let God convert the soul. There are people that have allowed themselves to be conformed but not to be converted. They are people that have allowed themselves to be cleaner, but not yet converted. The questions we must ask ourselves is when God comes into my life, does it make me want to be more like Jesus? Or does it just make me want to make sure no one notices the areas I'm not like Jesus? Do I think like Jesus? Do I act like Jesus? My wife and I always say this, your second thought is who you are. It ain't the first look that kills you, gentlemen. It's a second. But somewhere along the lines, you need to convert the first look, too. Come on, somebody. I'm out here by myself. You know what? When I first got saved and I stubbed my toe or did something, I won't even be able to say the words that came to my mind. Beep. It was just bad. That was my first thought. But then I quickly found a Christian cuss word for it, if, if there is such a thing. I got a little Kool-Aid action going on. I'm serious. I mean, I, yeah, I won't even go to the details. It's all right. I'm not going to glory in my infirmities. But, but somewhere along the lines, I had to let God convert even the first thought. Where what was my second thought became my first thought, and now I got a new second thought. What was happening? God was converting my soul. He was saying, I want to change you, amen, at the very core of your being. Uh, and now those thoughts uh, you used to think when you first got saved, they don't even cross your mind. There's people, maybe you came to church and you were addicted to alcohol and you were addicted to drugs, uh, but you, you haven't even thought about it in 20 years. Uh, and, and now you're thinking about the fact that you hadn't gone to the gym in a week. You know, you got to let God convert you in the soul. How do you do it? Here's the practical. The Bible says it's the engrafted word of God, which is able, then say it will. It says it's able to save your soul. Just because something's able doesn't mean it works. You know, medicine's able to make you better, but if you don't take it, 
Soap's able to clean you up, but if you don't use it, come on. The engrafted word of God is able to save your soul. You know what engrafted means? It means engraved. Got any engravers in the house of the Lord? Whittlers? Amen. Praise God. You know what you do? You take your knife and you just start with one line. I'm done. Praise God. I went to church one time, Pastor. I'm good. Souls converted. You go back over that line one more time until a piece of the wood comes out. And then you, you realize I got to do that a little more until it starts taking shape. I got to do that a little more until it starts taking shape. And, and then I, when I get done with this one section, I got to move on to the next section. And, and, and you keep doing it over and over and over again. I want to tell you successful Christianity is not a one-time deal. This is one of the biggest fallacies of saying a sinner's prayer one time. Once saved, always saved. It's not just a fallacy when it comes to salvation, but it's a fallacy when it comes to the converting of the soul because it takes altar after altar after altar altar before God alters you and I. It's coming to church. Service after service. Prayer meeting after prayer meeting and saying, God, I know it hurts. Your word's a two-edged sword. It's also a scalpel and it's going to cut and I might bleed, but I won't bleed out. And God, if you'll engrave this, eventually the scar tissue of my heart will show I've been changed. You know why, Brother Michelle, you know why people don't like the engrafted or engraved word of God? Because it hurts. It's a lot easier to come and shout, huck a buck. That's fun. But when God starts cutting on you, you say something, you, you, you know that it won't send you to hell, but you know it just wasn't a Christian thing. You were kind of short. Man, I should have just held my tongue. Oh, man, I was rude to that person. And you got to go back to a sinner who doesn't know nothing. They were just late on your on your order, and you have to go back and say, I'm so sorry, and apologize. Oh, that hurts. Oh, that hurts. Because you're supposed to, because they wouldn't have cared anyways. They're used to people being rude. But you got to be, God, engraving me. God, engraft on me. God, you said you'll write your word upon the tablets of their heart. And God, I know if the finger of God can cut into stone in the book of Exodus, that finger's going to cut into my heart, and it's going to engraft the word. But God, as you engraft that word, you are converting my soul. You are making me more like you. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. I'm done. Come on. Come on. Y'all that are here tonight, you're the diehards. You're the ones that are saying, God, I want you to engraft on me. Uh, amen. God's going to bless you for that. God's going to make you. Uh, amen. I want to help you. God's going God's to use that to not only save your soul, but God's going to use that to convert your soul and make you think different, make you act different. Uh, he's going to use that and bless you through it. Uh, he's converting your soul right now. Somebody pray. <laughs> Come on, God, engrave in me. Engraft in me. God, what's it, be, what's it like to be like you, Jesus? I want to have the mind of Christ. I want to be like Jesus. I want to think like Jesus. I want to act like Jesus. But, Lord, it starts tonight. Engrafted me. I want to open up this altar. Would you come? 
Come on, when you come, you're just opening yourself up and saying, God, it's another open heart surgery. You can carve on this heart. You can carve love where there was bitterness. You can carve forgiveness where there was disappointment. God, you can carve on my heart things that will change and nobody will ever recognize. I'm so changed and so transformed. I've been converted. Come on, that's it. Somebody pray. Come on. God's converting souls tonight. Come on. He's not just saving souls. He's converting souls right now. Somebody pray. In the name of Jesus, God, convert my soul. Convert my soul to be more like you, Jesus. Come on. I don't want to just be conformed. I want to be transformed. God, I want to be changed into the image of Christ. I want to be the image. Amen. I want to be the representation. I want to be the reflection of what I see when I look in the Word of God. Come on. The Word of God's perfectly converting right now. The Word of God's perfectly converting. I don't want to just be a member of a church. I want to be converted. I want to be converted. touching people in the soul right now. Come on, he's stepping past your flesh, stepping past your mistakes, stepping past your past, and saying, let me touch you right there. Let me help you right there in the soul.
Come on. Come on, somebody pray. All across this building, God's great engraving on our hearts right now. He's carving it in. I feel some pure water. I feel some pure water pouring over us tonight. Perfect law of liberty. Pure, it's pouring on us tonight. It's converting the soul. It's converting the soul. Hallelujah. sing this again. I want you to lift up your hands and let's pray right now. Come on, let that be your prayer. God, convert me on the inner man. Come on, somebody pray that. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody worship him all across this building. Come on, hallelujah. Come on. It's more desired than gold. It's sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. God, when I let your word, your perfect word convert me, God, there's nothing sweeter. There's nothing sweeter. Hallelujah. You know, when Jesus got done, Elder, he got done with the water turning into wine. Remember what the governor said? 
He said, you save the best for last. When you and I let God convert us in the soul, the very core of our being, people are going to say, man, who are you? I don't even recognize you. You're going to go to work tomorrow and say, man, this is the greatest worker I have ever met. Now, you might have been the greatest worker before, but they're going to notice a difference. You go home to your spouse, and they're going to go, man, you're just sweeter than you were the day before. My wife, she's not here. She says it all the time. But when we let God convert us, not only is it a blessing to us, it's a blessing to everybody around us. Our city is looking for people with converted souls. Converted souls convert souls. When we've got it, we want to share it with everybody else. When you got when you got a product you believe in, you tell everybody about it. Hey, if you haven't been to Chick-fil-A yet, you need to get to Chick-fil-A. Let me tell you, this is the Lord's chicken. Some people shaking their head. All right, that's all right. We'll pray you through one day. When you got something you believe in, my coffee lovers out there, you need to get you some good coffee. Stop drinking Folgers. You'll be blessed. You got something you believe, you share it with people. When you, when you let God work on you, there's no greater testimony than the one you have. When, you, when somebody can say, man, what's, what, what has changed about you? I'm not talking about you came from drugs and alcohol and all of a sudden you're different. I'm talking about you've been in church a long time, but you came to a service like tonight, and you really let God get down in the depths, and they're going, man, something's different about you. Everybody wants to taste that. Amen? Let's lift our hands and let's pray one more time. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your perfect word, for your perfect law, for your pure law. I thank you, Lord, that you have never stopped working on us and that, Lord, there's always room for improvement, God. Amen. Room for improvement doesn't mean that we weren't doing well. It just means that you have more for us, God. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to help us grow, to help us to build up and help us to improve, God, to be more like you. Amen. So we can be better suited and more effective in reaching our city and reaching this region for your gospel. God, continue to convert us, amen, in our soul. In Jesus' name and everybody said amen hallelujah god bless you give somebody a fist bump it's it's cold season just give somebody an 